Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to us. This is Retro Fantasy. I am Ani, and I am joined again today by Z. Say hello, Z. What's up? How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And also today, we got Chessa. Say hello, Chessa. I offer a hearty lolly ho. All right. So let's kick us off today. Let's talk about uh, what we've been playing lately. So for me, I actually got an interesting story. Um, believe it or not, I'm actually playing Borderland 3. What? Yeah. I thought you were not. Well. What happened? Okay. See, so what happened was it's like uh, I was actually uh, taking Karn home the other day. And apparently he had an extra copy and he was like, do you want this extra copy? And I was like, well, the only other way I'd get it is like probably a couple of years down the road on the $20 game of the year bargain bin version. So I was like, sure, I'll take a copy. So I actually got the $100 uh, collector's uh, pre-order copy. And so I actually got to play it like all last night. All right, pause. One second. Not, not for the pocket. Just pause for your story. All right. So not only you got a free copy, you got the $100 special edition of a game that you were like of this game. Yeah. How did Karn get an extra copy? Well, basically, I guess apparently he had he, he bought a copy for himself and for his little brother. And then he had like just an extra one, I guess. Uh, it was an order from Amazon that didn't he couldn't cancel it. So he ended up having it. And he was like, well, I'm going to give it to somebody, you know, don't let it go to waste. And so. You know, I'm very grateful, and you know, if he listens, thanks, Karn, for the game. <laughs> wow, no, that's that's awesome, actually. I mean, well, that's pretty cool. But that also te- does that technically break your uh, your epic stance, though? No, because I got it for free, and I guess I got it on PS4. So, all right, all right. So I didn't spend any money, so my stance still stands. Okay, okay, because it counts as a gift, yeah. technically. Okay. Have you uh, played much of it at this point? Uh, I played, played a little bit. Yeah, I played through a couple of the story missions. I got to level, I think, ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, and I'll, and I'll say it's a fun game. You know, it's not one that may, would make me rethink my epic stance. You know, it's a Borderlands game, but it mm-hmm. does scratch the itch. It's fun. You know, it's an engaging game. It's, you know, it's got that humor that if you played Borderlands or heard about it, I mean, you, you can't go wrong. And best of all. You know, it ain't gonna. Doesn't look like they're gonna do the Activision Blizzard thing where they're gonna sneak in microtransactions and uh, loot boxes later on, as we know it at the moment. But yes, that's. I mean, that's interesting. I remember you mentioned actually that you did. You like Borderlands too? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember if you did. I, I liked them okay. I mean, they were games I could play, but you know, they're not games I would go out of my way to play. If that makes sense. Okay. Do you think it's a game because it's based on this whole RPG loot box? Well, not loot box system necessarily. Like finding loot. Is this a game you could see yourself playing to story and and then to keep playing after the story is done, like other players have been? Or is this going to be like kind of like a one and done? You think? Um, It's definitely a game I could see myself playing. Um, The only reason why I probably would ever stop is like if there's something else coming out. Which unfortunately, where Nintendo's concerned, that is a thing. That is something that's going to be happening. Well, that's awesome. That's, I'm glad. I'm glad you got a free game, and I'm glad you're having a good time with uh, the, that Gearbox game. That's awesome. Yep. Would you say it's worth? Um, so, do you think? Um, I don't want to say this. So, you, would you recommend a game to somebody that's interested? Is this a game you would recommend? Yeah, I, I could see. Uh, I, I would definitely recommend it. It's it's better than your average, you know, American soldier beating up the Nazis kind of game. Um, and I actually do like first person shooters. So, I mean, if you're a fan of first-person shooters, it's definitely worth going after. I mean, it's quirky, it's fun, it 
doesn't take itself too seriously, so it's worth playing. So, but enough about me. Let's talk about Chessa. Anything going on in your gaming world? Why did you shoot to me? You gotta go with Z first. It's your turn. So I guess since you guys were curious, I'll tell you about this mobile game that I was talking about. Um, It's called Cat Game the Cat Collector. And it's by Mino Games, Mino Games, uh, M-I-N-O Games. It's a free-to-play. Um, so basically what you do is you just collect cats by crafting and playing mini games. And um, they've got like little contests for decorating a room with your cats. It's a weird game, but it's a really good time waster. Like, and the cats are so freaking cute. Okay, so I, I, I don't, I'm not able to pull this in front of me because I'm afraid I'm gonna wreck the audio on my laptop somehow by do, doing an action. But are the cats realistic? Are they like super cartoony, exaggerated? No, they're super cartoon. Super cartoon. Super cartoon. Do they have like different cat breeds? Oh yes. So, <clears throat> so each each level of the tower has a theme. So there will be, like, the first level will be, like, normal cats doing normal cat things, eating food, playing with bags, you know, cat things. The next level might be, like, ocean-themed. So your cat will essentially look like a whale or a seal or coral. Wait, wait, so these are cats dressed up in costumes like other animals? Yes and no. (laughs) These are like genetic mutations of cats to these animals. So basically, like the oh my cats. god, okay, wow, <laughs> this is science gone wrong, Chessa. Well, right. <laughs> I mean, it's all about. I don't even know what perspective. I mean, look, a cat crossed with a whale. Um, like, is it the, would that be the size of an actual whale, or is it the size of a cat? No, it's the size of a cat. So these all these abominations, so to speak, are all the same are the size of the cat. Yeah. Like they're not they're never the size of the other animal. Right. So they wouldn't be efficient hunters or have a necessarily ge- an advantage genetically. Oh hell no. No, no. Yeah. I do have a question. Um so how exactly do you go about getting the cats? Like do you have to actually spend money? Is there like a timer or, or what? So there is options where you can buy different packs with that come with cats. But almost everything you do, like when you do crafting, it allows you to, um, let me think of how to put this. It's kind of like a little lottery system because you have this thing where you can spin. Like you'll feed the cats. It'll give you a timer. The timer unlocks the box. And then when you click on the box, it unlocks this like lotto thing and you have a chance to win a cat from that is there a plot to this game no like no over is there i know i'm trying to i'm just thinking mentally like it like whoever is providing this box of free cats to give to you after the lotto is there if there's some type of like creator or user or some lab <laughs> or like a, some wizard that's doing this it's a goose. no I'm, I'm just curious because there's a timer right you said you feed the cat sets off a timer and then there's a lotto and then it grows to this lottery system yeah and then if you're lucky you'll get like a new cat right right yeah 
So who's the diabolical man or woman with this wados with the with this this timer set up this timer mechanism for you to be like you gotta feed these cats you know in order to get like another cat like who's in charge of this like who's the madman who's what's their end goal since it's kind of like a loot box system I guess EA is it <laughs> EA cats twist twist actually that leads to the next question do you ever feel compelled to spend money in the game okay. So I have spent money on this game. Okay, that's fine. The only reason I have is because they had one pack that I could not pass up because pandas. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I can understand that. So if you get this pack and you want the panda, are you guaranteed that panda or is it you trying to get the panda? No, the pack that I bought guaranteed the panda. It's actually pretty good microtransaction that's okay that's pretty good yeah, yeah so so it wasn't just the panda either i paid ten dollars for the pack i'll own up to that fact that's, that's fine bad. so that's i got bad. the panda mm-hmm. i got gems which you can use to progress your your crafting i got gold which you need to progress your crafting and then oh i got a secret key which the secret keys are for the events because there's events that you can get different cats too are these like time limited cats like for those events, like like once the event passes, that cat will disappear until they decide to repeat the event. On those packs, they're around for like 60 days after the event, but there are certain cats that are only around during the event. And how did you come across this game? Is it like, was this like ranking high on Google? No. Or did you just type in cats, cats into the, the Google search bar and you found this game? I'm just so obsessed with cats, like you don't even know. <laughs> Look, I, I, I know, I know, because I know you're obsessed with cats. So I know, I don't know how you found it. I'm just curious. I've never. So I was actually playing a different mobile game. Uh, it was like one of those kind of like Jewel Quest types of things, and it came on as an advertisement, mm-hmm. like every five seconds. And I was finally like, you know what? Okay, you've played for half my lifetime by now. I'm gonna check you out. Okay. So I downloaded it. And I've been hooked ever since. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like a game I'd actually try. I mean, and the, there's like too many games in it. One of them is like a Tetris field. And then the other one is like, what's that game called? Oh, Making Fiends, where you connect the same color things. Oh, yeah, I heard of that one. Okay, I, I, I found the game on my, I, I pulled up my phone and finally found this game. Because I, I had to know, I was I was super curious in talking about this now. <laughs> First off, um, you didn't tell me it's called Cat. A log. What? Oh, right, that's clever. Um, and I didn't. And I didn't because they, that's what that's what the ad says. They call them a catalog. Emphasis on the cat. Yeah, there's a catalog that has secret cats. And I know you mentioned the tower, but is it like you have one giant tower, or is it you multiple towers? It's one giant tower. And they can make them different themes. I see, like farmland and beaches, and yeah, like each each one, each floor is a different theme. I see. But it has, and you, like you said, there's multiple, there's different mini games to get rewards. Like you said, the Tetris game, yeah. a feeding game, and a dance game? Is it like a rhythm game? I see like a dancing cat, and a cat with a fishbowl on his head. Just dance. So, the cat with the fishbowl on his head. Oh, that is something fun. Just to cut away from that for a second, all of the cats have special animations. Oh, really? Do they have different names? Like, are they named like, you know, like, like John, Joe, Skippy? Oh, you know, they actually have like... Yes. Okay, that's pretty cool. You know, actually, not to go off topic a little bit. I actually thought when you were describing this game, it was going to be Neko Atsumi. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, was, I, I, I thought for sure for like the first line or so, I was like, oh, this is Neko Atsumi, isn't it? Oh, I remember playing a crap ton of that game. I don't think I've heard of Neko Atsumi. You never have? Or Ani? Or I think Chesapeake has played it, right? 
Oh man, if I have, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's it's like that Japanese one where you basically it's like it looks like it's much it's a much smaller scale than the game you're playing. That one is just like you put stuff you you buy furniture and cats come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I have. I remember this. So technically, it's maybe it's a more it's a more realistic cat simulator. But I but I haven't played I haven't played that game in like I haven't played that game in like years. But but anyway, um, this game actually looks much better than I expected from reading what get the screenshots. Yeah, I mean it's very simplistic, but there's something just so charming about how how often not to get into your mobile habits, but how often do you check on this cat game? Let's say on a daily basis. Ooh, probably. You're checking it now, aren't you? Well, yeah, I was actually because I was trying to pull up some of the more interesting cats. I don't know. I probably check it at least five times a day. Okay, all right. And how long have you been playing this game for? Like two months. Oh wow! So you so you're sucked in. You're like all in. Oh yeah. Okay, all right. What's well, my my dirty little secret will be? I'll be playing this game later in like an hour. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm probably going to pick it up, too, just to check it out. Yeah, this trial, I'll give it a shot. You say it sounds like it's microtransaction-friendly, so maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm interested. So just to add one more thing, I've played long enough that I have 18 floors to my tower. Nice. How long does it take to usually build one floor? Completely? Yeah. It's pretty RNG-based, because you can't complete it until you get all the cats, you craft all the furniture. But do you need all the cats to, like, move on to the next floor? No. Oh, okay, then. So what do you need to go on to the next floor? Now I'm a little confused. What do you need to go on to the next floor of the tower so basically every time you level up you'll get a new cat and some other goodies and you'll unlock the next floor okay that's not bad so that's right so it's a little more yeah it's, so it's it is RNG heavily based. rng based as far as getting your tower levels unlocked all right all right all right all right that's my that's my matthew mcconaughey expression uh, impression all right, all right all right all right all right okay all right, <laughs> all right. well actually speak, speaking of uh like uh, matthew mcconaughey what have you been playing lately z I don't know why that was my transition. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think any of the games I'm playing. Well, let me think. I guess if I was thinking about Matthew McConaughey as our transition point, the the Untitled Goose game, which I think all of us have at least played a little bit of at this point, we could probably discuss it as a group, is a very carefree game, much like Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) So... Um, I you know, kind of relaxing, very chill. I imagine it's even played better if you're a little high. Um, so that's what I've been playing. I got it on the Switch, and um, it's one of the the biggest, one of the most delightful games I've probably played this year. Sorry, I mean, I, I know you were like excited even before it launched because I remember you were talking about it a lot. Oh, like. Like two, I think like two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I remember, <laughs> I've been talking about this game over like two years. Yeah, and even before our last podcast, you were you were like super excited about it. Like, what exactly made you excited mm-hmm. though? Like, what drew you in? Um, because I think the, the like I think I mentioned the last podcast. It's kind of like the uh, ultimate, not the ultimate. I don't want to say it's ultimate. It's like a very artistic asshole simulator, and because it's. You know, it's it's a very it's a gorgeous game. It has this like really old time, really like this little English town, and it's it's such a relaxing little piece of heaven, I guess you could say, like in a game. And it just makes me want to wreck it and punish and destroy these people's lives <laughs> in the game. Um, but ever since the because they showed a tech video two years ago, these developers, and it came out of nowhere. And I, I watched the video, and I know I started spreading around after that. It's like it's that video 
I think I watched I've watched it like a million times. It, it just made me laugh right. nonstop, over and over again. Because it reminds me of like really old school comedy, right. where you're basically it's a lot. It's like more practical and socially awkward. And you know, like you know, I feel like a lot, like a lot of times with video games nowadays, when we go for humor, it's all about like um, voice acting, right? right? Or writing the writing a good joke, or you know, doing something funny visually, like like it's all like a complete package. And the untitled and the untitled goose game, which even the the fun of the game is that the is the name of the title. It's just it's just pure physical comedy that you get to control. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, from what I played of it, I mean, yeah, I see where you're coming from. It's like it's basically. I mean, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure, but being an asshole goose kind of game, I guess I would say. Yeah, exactly. I think we talked about it briefly before, is that you, when you play the game, like, you don't have, like, there's no, there is a little bit of a plot for the game, but it's just abstract enough that when you're playing the game, you can actually create your own role-playing element almost immediately. Like, how are you going to approach, like, how, like, why are you wrecking these poor, these poor people's lives? Why are you wrecking with their daily routines? Is it, uh, are you doing it for malicious reasons? Are you doing it for revenge? Are you actually being honorable? This is all stuff you can just make up on your own and have a lot of fun with and it'll all be legitimate interpretations of the Untitled Goose Game because it's it's a very free-form game. Yeah, and I, I, can, I can see the appeal in that because, I mean, I, I've said it before. I'm one of those guys, when I play a game, I like to kind of forge my own little story into whatever is going on in the world. What about you, Chelsea? Have you you played it, right? I played a little bit. I, I haven't gotten past the garden, so I'm not. Oh, what's what's getting what's getting you stuck on the garden? Nothing, actually. I just got sidetracked doing something else, so I had to shut the game off, and then I never went back to it. How could you look at that farmer, Chessa, and not want to fuck with him? <laughs> He's he like just look at him with his little sun hat. Weren't you like? Didn't he just like enter the garden and was just like, man, I just want to pull out all those carrots? That never occurred to you. No, I did. Like I said, I just got my trust of life. You know, are are you are you too are you too nice to play the Untitled Goose Game? You know, I actually might be a little too nice to play as an asshole goose. I will say this though; it kind of makes me. Rem- it reminds me of my uh, my granddad had this duck. His name was Howard for obvious reasons. Ah, uh, nice. But Howard reminds me so much of this goose. Because Howard was like the biggest freaking asshole. Really? What would, what would <laughs> why was he? Oh, he used to chase us. Like my my granddad had like this lake in his backyard, so he would chase us around that. Uh huh. And if we got on the boat in the lake, he would pull the rope, so <laughs> we would, so we would drift out. <laughs> <laughs> he was a jerk. Um, he used to what beat up the other ducks that would come by because he was the only one that, yeah, he oh, was wow. the only one that was actually a pet. What? And then because there was a lake right there, all these wild ducks and wild geese would show up, and uh, he wasn't having it. Nope, he would kick their ass. So he would do his own version of like get off my lawn. Essentially, this is my this is my turn. Pretty much the only. The only one he did not mess with was the chow. Uh, my granddad had a chow named Cha Cha, and he wouldn't mess with her. Were they friends? No. They just they... No. <laughs> he just knew, but okay, I'd be dead meat if he if I actually mess around. 
Well, Chows are assholes too, though, so I can understand that. See, I actually never, um, I've never met like an animal as a, like a, a. I'm actually all right. A fun fact about me: I actually, I'm actually not deathly afraid of animal, of birds per se, but I find birds to be really awkward around. And like, if I'm in a pet shop and I see like a really giant parakeet that's not in the cage, it makes me very nervous for some reason. <laughs> not sure why. Probably because of all the like. Uh, I know, especially like in more adult comedy shows, especially adult cartoons, they always have that one gag where the bird will come down and peck at people. I get, it. yeah. I mean, that's true. I think it's like it's like I think I, I might have mentioned this a long time ago, but like I think I think when I, I was in a museum once, I saw like a. I didn't realize how big ravens were. Oh, really? <laughs> until I saw like a giant stuff. Like, until I saw them like stuffed, right? Like, and so like I saw, I saw it. I think it was at the natu- um, the Museum of Natural History in New York or something. And I was just like, "Holy shit! That's what a raven is. That's the size of a raven. Oh my god!" <laughs> and I think since that time, as a kid, if I see a bird that big start moving toward me, unless it's like a penguin. I would, I would get, like, I would just, my heart would just start palpitating. I'd just like reach for the door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little more comfortable around birds because my grandma used to have like a bunch of parakeets and stuff and she would actually let them fly around the house. So I guess they don't bother me as much though. I'll admit big birds. I still wouldn't screw with because yeah, I don't want to deal with the beak and talons. No, like uh, I take many on walks to the park uh, behind where I live, and then we see like a and like like well, if there's a if there's like a is it called a gaggle or what's it what's a group of what's a uh, group of geese? Gaggle of geese. Yeah, I think it's a gaggle. Okay, I saw like a giant gaggle of geese, and I just start I'm, I start pulling the leash, and then he's just like, "Why are you so tense?" <laughs> and I think and like I'm just trying I'm just trying to like avoid like you know just pulling the dog. It was a comedy. We have to get past this gang. Like I, I'm not. I'm feeling uncomfortable here. Dad, why are you so tense? Man, man, you have not played the goose game. You don't know because no, because there's like if this particular group is like there's like I think there's like eight or twelve of them in the fall, and I'm just like walking. Oh yeah, no, dude. Oh yeah, man. And then like we know the worst part is after they're gone, there's shit everywhere. <laughs> Oh, and so like not only are they causing trouble in the present, in the future, this shit's just everywhere, and it just drives me. It it's, it's ruins every single dog walk in the fall. Fuck geese. All right, I, I'm kind of hoping. Go you, topic there. No, it's okay. I was gonna say I'm kind of hoping you never seen the the movie. Uh, what's it called? The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Well, that, those birds are fakeish. So I actually I'm actually okay with that. I actually didn't notice my own particular fear until when I was um I think when I was dating someone a couple of years ago when I was in college and I went to a pet shop and that's when I like my tension I just got really tense and she was like why like she looked at me and she's like what's wrong are you okay and I'm just like we need to get out of here. <laughs> Probably wasn't even actually looking at this <laughs> parakeet because it was a par- it was a black parakeet and it just kept like looking at me. They could smell your fear and then like it would come toward me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. I don't know. Them I birds don't know. It's been a long time. It was holding it. It was, it was holding a switchblade, apparently. So who knows? I have no. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Oh, you never know, man. Because I, like, I got the hell out of there. Probably a switchblade under its wing, you know, secretly twirling its. Uh, what's the bird version of a mustache? I mean, a waddle. What do you think of the good feathers from the Animaniacs? Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh my god, if those. Oh yeah, those guys. <laughs> I would not be a good match for them. But um, I guess back to talk of the actual game itself. Um, it's spectacular. I had a great time with it. 
I would highly recommend it, especially at the launch price it is at um, currently. I think it's like fifteen bucks right now. Oh, that ain't bad at all. It's fifteen bucks. It's it's fifteen bucks right now at launch. I think it's going to go up to twenty eventually. My only negative for Goose Game for the Untitled Goose Game is that it's actually pretty short in terms of objectives, the checklist that you're supposed to do as a puzzle. But I mean, the fun of the game is the sandbox element. So if you kind of spend fifteen in this game and you understand that you're going to be spending time beyond just the objectives, then that's you know then the fifteen is a great value yeah and i mean from what i played i can definitely see it getting you're getting your money's worth even if you don't do the objectives no yeah exactly because it's the the fun is that is just playing around it's not just it's not about let's say pushing the boy into the telephone booth and quacky at him that's not the only fun although it's it's it's, it's delicious i think <laughs> no my favorite guy to torment with the one trying to read the newspaper oh yeah that poor man <laughs> oh i delighted in his i delighted in his uh sadness <laughs> oh, okay clearly i'm i'm just me enough to enjoy this game to its fullest um <laughs> but that's what's one game i've been playing yeah all right it's kind of a good way to like gauge your true the true the true colors of your friends do you enjoy goose game or no oh you do you're a dick <laughs> <laughs> you know chessa that's actually that's a pretty damn good point actually you probably could use the intel goose game to see how far like what do they what do they consider because because you're right right like one people have been going on social media and posting videos of like the goose bullying that one the, oh there's only one child in the game and they just love bullying him so does that mean does that translate to a part of you is there a part of me or you or somebody not may not chestnut but like that likes bullying <laughs> like like that poor boy does it say something about us i would say yes i think it's kind of ingrained into like human psyche a little bit because i mean think about everybody who plays the sims you cannot tell me of one person who's played The Sims and has not at one point, you know, drowned them in the pool. I mean, it's just that morbid curiosity. I wonder what'll happen kind of thing, I think. So you think it's more like... Okay, a- I can honestly say... Sorry, Z, not to cut you off. I can honestly say that I'm not one of those people that played Sims without killing their Sims off. I know, I've killed mine. So you're saying Untitled Goose Gift's kind of like The Sims, is that it's kind of like a little, like a god simulator almost. Like you're putting these... These characters aren't human beings, but you're just you just want to see what happens next. If you just poke and prod the experiment a bit, yeah. Basically, it's like the humans are there for the goose's amusement. That's all, you know they serve no other purpose outside of that, whether they want to admit it or not. And that's actually been one interpretation: is that the goose game, the goose himself, is the only living thing, and they're all robots, or they're all like inhuman creatures. And the whole and you're actually trying to actually save yourself. And trying to break yourself out of whatever this particular um, situation is. That's mildly disturbing. But yeah, fascinating. Yeah, that's the beauty. I've I've heard lots of fun interpretations. I mean, I mean, the, of like what the plot could mean to some. I mean, Ani, you you had your own plot for Untitled Goose Game. Oh yeah, yeah. My sophisticated Sir Goose, who basically does not like the fact that humans think he's a dumb bird, so he takes out all his anger and aggression on him as punishment, all while smoking his pipe. I actually, I found out something. What's that? Um, and it's not a spoiler for the game. And I found this out like probably an hour ago. There is one. There is a prize you get for completing with the all the list objectives, including the uh, the post game stuff, and you get a crown. Are you really? Or Completing all the objectives, you get a heavy crown. But does the goose actually wear the crown? 
Um, fuck yeah. Oh, hell yes. Yeah, he gets to wait, like, you, um, cause, uh, um, yeah, he gets to wear this crown. You have to have the lady, uh, uh, there's a neighbor's puzzle, and she's the one that gets to put the crown on. So you can wear the crown with the bow tie and the pipe. Oh, man. Yeah, okay, that's my next goal in this game now. I got, I got, I'm gonna be King Sir Goose. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that's like my, I'm like, oh my god, I must have this crown. There's no value beyond me just looking regal. <laughs> so. You know, but it's a it's a fun game. I have a, I'm having a good time, and obviously, it sounds like um, Adi, you have a, you've you've been having a good time. And Chessa, you should just embrace your meanness more and just get into it. Can't man, can't, can't. that far, I'll have you know that farmer probably a Trump voter. So just just steal all his carrots. No harm done. Just blame it on Trump. <laughs> Sorry, no politics in the podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say, just think of the one person you can't turn it to future Trumps. <laughs> Well, let's just call him a cow. Okay, he's not a Trump voter. He's just racist. We'll, we'll run with that. that. That farmer's racist. Time for some vengeance, Chessa. Time for some vengeance and steal his fucking son. Racist against who? Goose. Geese. You know what? Other geese, obviously. Black geese. Black geese matters. <laughs> Probably. Or the, the, especially Canadian geese. He does not like it's Canadian It's the way geese, they sure. But I think he hates all geese, to be honest. Yeah, he, I think he hates all geese, but he's very particular about other ones, too. So just run with that, and I think you'll enjoy the game a lot more. If you're afraid of uh, going after an it's innocent farmer. It's not even about farmer. the farmer. I doubt he is. No. It's not? I don't know what it is. I just, I can't, I can't be an asshole goose. <sighs> give it time. We'll give it time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, transitioning. Um, I'll talk about my other game later. Um Ani, uh, have you? Been, I, I know you've been playing some other stuff aside from Borderlands. I heard uh, it's you've been playing Link's Awakening. Oh yeah, I've been playing Link's Awakening. Uh, which man, if you have not played that game, you should. I mean, I'm not going to say that they did anything new with it outside of the little mini dungeon maker that it came with, but it is gorgeous. It is like the most beautiful game I've played. Is it? Yeah, I've been hearing um, from. Um, journalists and people who have played it that it's considered the prettiest game they've seen on the Switch. Oh, yeah. Despite, you know, the fact that it's an old game technically. And the, and even compared to Breath of the Wild or uh, Mario Odyssey, it's actually probably even prettier than those two games because because of the art style. Yeah, no, I can agree with that because, I mean, I was blown away just by the visuals when you finally get see, uh, I can never know how to pronounce the name of the island, but once you wake up on the island, I mean, it's just apparent just how much thought and detail and everything went into this, you know, vibrant landscape that you traverse. And it's honestly, it's like you could make screenshots out of every freaking area you visit and put them up on your computer for a background or something. Have you been abusing this uh, the screenshot feature for this game? Surprisingly, not as much as I'd like to. I keep forgetting to take pictures because I'm so wanting to see where the story is going to take me next because it's been so long since I played that I'm like, I can't, I don't remember half of it. And I actually kind of like that. I don't remember half of it because it actually kind of makes the, the rediscovery all the more worthwhile. Yeah. That's not interesting. Cause I've heard that the game itself is uh, fundamentally the exact same game. Yeah. Like even to the, even to the gag of the shopkeeper um, where you steal for him. And then if you go back in the shop, he like destroys. You, yep. Right? Yeah. Like it, like everything is intact in terms of mechanics, dialogue, story. It's it is it's just the presentation got like a, a big tune up. 
Yeah, that's exactly what they did. I mean, they basically, they took the old game and they just basically modernized it, which, you know, and I think that's okay. You don't always have to, like, expand or add new stuff, you know, to these older games to make them worth playing again. And, uh, like, I mean, because because the last Zelda game before this was uh, Breath of the Wild. And I know some people, when they, um, I don't want to get to a criticism of Breath of the Wild per se, but there are some Zelda fans out there that uh, find Breath of the Wild to be not their Zelda. So, you know, it's kind of, they're saying like, you know, this is not the Zelda I grew up with. You think this is the game, this would be the game they would probably be drawn to, per se, right? Like, uh, classic Zelda, like, you know. Yeah, I could see this being a game. Dungeon Exploration. Yeah, like, you know, because it's, it's definitely classic Zelda. You got the Dungeon Explorations, you know, the the progression system. I mean, you know, you go to a dungeon, you get a new item that'll let you get further in the overworld and stuff. I mean, yeah, this is... So if they didn't like Breath of the Wild, this is something I think they'll enjoy a lot more. I'll be... Because I'll be frank. I'm not the biggest Zelda nerd like you guys are, like you are. Chessa, are you a Zelda nerd? Um, not, not on the scale that Annie is. But you have you played the other, like games in this franchise or the series Most of them, or, yeah. uh, you know that mm-hmm. really have you to no. completion or dabbled Just in dabbled. see that's like me i think i i think the only one i got really close to completing were uh wind waker and uh, Breath uh of link's awakening original not not the one that just came out. Um, that's the only one I've ever beaten. Really? So the game, so the, the original game, or the game that Ani's playing right now, mm-hmm. you, that's the only Zelda you beat in the older version of that game. Right. Oh, interesting. Have you been watching um, Ani's walk uh, playthrough? No, he plays it while I'm at work or sleep. Bastard. I know. <laughs> Why would he do that? <laughs> he likes to hoard Link all to himself. I know because you have a pretty busy schedule for the most part. Is it a game that you can see yourself diving back into? Oh yeah, uh, back when it was on, you know, back in the OG days, it was one of my favorite games. Not quite up there at, with like Final Fantasy because everyone knows I'm a huge nerd about Final Fantasy, but. It's got such a replayability factor to it that it is enjoyable, you know, play it once, beat it, play it again five years later, and it's going to be just as amazing as it was the first time. Okay. And for you, I mean, for the, since you both have fundamentally played uh, Link's Awakening, what's the giant appeal of this? What's the big appeal of playing? I mean, you can say like it's Zelda, but what's the appeal of the game? Of the new version? Any, I mean, uh, because gameplay wise... Uh, they're the same mechanics, same story, same uh, pacing. Like, you guys are basically playing the same game. Right. Except Ani's playing it with, like, really good graphics. What makes, what 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 was the big appeal to you about, like, what made you play that game to completion? And that's a game, and that's an answer for Ani, too. Like, what's grabbing you particularly about this installment of Zelda? Mm, Ani, you want to go first? For this modern remake of Link's Awakening, I think the big appeal for me is, I'd hate to say it, because a lot of people think it's such a flimsy thing to go on but I'm honestly the nostalgia. I mean, Zelda for me has always been like the penultimate adventure series, you know? It's just like you against the world, you know, you're the hero, you know, you know who the bad guy is, you know, you're the good guy, you know, and everything you do along the way, you know, it's not so much point A to point B, but, you know, you basically forge your own adventure. It's, you know, it's kind of one of those series where that actually kind of encourage you to kind of make your own story as you go. I mean, sure, you can, you know, just rush through all the temples, get all the gear and then go fight Ganon. 
And there's so much more to that. If you actually sit there and explore everything, there's so many secrets and treasures and just little Easter eggs that you could totally miss out on if you just went from point A to point B. So that's what always drew me about the Zelda games. And, you know, and then going back to Link's Awakening, just the nostalgia, because playing Link's Awakening is like reminding me of my days as a kid, you know, when I would, you know, go to school and then on Friday, do your homework. And then you got like, what, two days to basically do whatever you want. And for me, it was stuff like Zelda. All right. Cool. Nice. Uh, so since I haven't played the new version that came out, I'm basing it off of the original release. So back when that game was released, um, that was pretty much my introduction point to gaming. I didn't really do a whole lot of it prior to being introduced to like the Final Fantasy 3 that is actually Final Fantasy 6. I did some Mario and Duck Hunt, but I more than anything I watched. So when I finally started playing, it was games like Final Fantasy... Legend of Zelda games, The Secret of Mana, Secret of Evermore. So these games really are formative to how I play today, where I'm more of a high fantasy role-playing game instead of like shooters or puzzle. Even though Zelda games do introduce more puzzle aspects, there's just something about not playing a human, I guess. Not playing a human? Like an elf? Yeah, well, I mean, you've played MMOs with me, you know, I don't play humans, and I always go with the shortest race. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, like, it's like a real escape, like it's a real, um, you get to really role play and be something else that's not like just, you said, a human being. Yeah. So it sounds like for the both of you, at least, uh, not just... Yeah, even for Link's Awakening, but for Zelda, like it was a, it's like a gateway game to a real fantasy world. Yeah, like yeah. it was like something that something with not just like a regular fantasy, but like a fantasy world that actually had like a little bit of a narrative, what that had imagination really running wild, and something where you actually found yourself suddenly just lost in the actually you know like not lost, not like actually lost, but like lost in the fun of just being somewhere like new. And, like, really, well, fantastic, really. Yeah, I mean, for... I guess I was, like, six or seven when I first started actually gaming myself instead of watching my brother play. So, finding something that I could be that immersed into that wasn't a book, that was astounding to me. No, no, that's that's a really, that's a really good point. Actually, it's a pretty profound point because uh, I went, I did gaming a little later actually because my parents uh, were pretty much anti video games. Can't imagine <laughs> <Asia>. why. <laughs> well, now I know why because they're addictive and awesome. Pretty much like I didn't get into stuff like fun, like I never got into Zelda at the age, and I think that's why I'm not such a huge fan. My first like major dive into video games was actually Final Fantasy Chrono Trigger and I think it was like Final Fantasy 7 like that type of stuff so I can totally see like that feeling of like just getting like finding something you're like wow this is a story they have work like you know this is not just point A to point B there's motivations there's people with names that you have to not they're not just rescuing them because they're the princess like Peach they're actually like characters with like a background yeah Right, and so you just find you just find yourself getting lost into the story, and that's and I remember thinking like, wow, this is really powerful. This is a really powerful thing with video games. I didn't think they did this. I always thought it was just kind of like you have your burst of like dopamine and just like, oh, that was awesome, or oh, that was fun. To actually get sit down and spend hours and hours in this other world, and then finishing the game, finishing a narrative. That's and in, and in a way, like you said, completely different from books or comic books or anything like that. I mean. 
mean, that, you're right. That's it's, it, that's a pretty... You don't forget that first game that really does that. Right. And it's not like books and comics and other mediums that are equally immersive are bad, but video games bring something special to it. And in terms of, like, Zelda, for those of you who haven't played either version of Link's Awakening, first off, what rock have you been under? But more to the point... <laughs> Okay. If you have played it, then you already know what I'm about to talk about. The first the first actual hook of the game, when you first start playing, you see his uncle die. It doesn't start all happy. It's not all cheery and sunshine and rainbows and everything's great. No, you see a dude die. Really? Yeah. They had that in, his, in their early Zelda game. Yes. Yeah, that was a link to the past. I remember that. That. Uh- Oh, shit, you're right. My bad. But still, I mean, that that was a shocking moment, though. I mean, because, especially for a Nintendo game. So, I, I mean, I know, the, I know the twists in Awakening, like, in terms... And that, there was an article I read, I think, on Kotaku about it, where, uh, like, I guess if you're a kid and you're going playing through Link's Awakening, the plot twist in that game is a little bit of a mindfuck. Right. Right? Like, if you... It's with the whole... Uh, I can't really spoil a game like this. Like, it's a, it's a dream. Again, if you haven't played it, what rock have you been under? <laughs> Just, just, just. I, I can't be an asshole goose, but I can be an asshole little bit. <laughs> when it comes to like Salaki, that's it also like goes full goose. <laughs> but um, yeah, but the twist of uh, remember y'all asked for this. Yes, I did. I did ask for this. This is like a masochist. Um, I mean, the idea that like I mean, I imagine if you're at the age that you said you said you were six or six or seven, right? Yeah, it's like six or seven. Yeah, like and you're playing through Link's Awakening, and then you get to that twist of like, well, if I um finish this game, all these people are going to basically going to disappear, right? I mean, that's kind of like uh, the idea, like all these people that you kind of hung out with on quests for your potential girlfriend, Marin, I think, right? right? Yeah, like they all, they're all, they all, they're all going to like pretty much go away. Yeah. And that's kind of is that and then like you know like for I mean that's a pretty that's pretty heavy shit. Especially considering it's like the the link you play as because anybody who's familiar with Zelda knows that every Zelda has its own link. Well, Link's Link's Awakening is actually the link from the original game. So yeah, you basically come to know these people and this place, and you know that once you finish your big heroic quest, it's like all these people are going to go away, and that's a pretty heavy thing to think of a protagonist dealing with after you know they just recently saved the world from Ganon. I mean, I, I mean, I, I it, it's tr- it's just it's just you think when you look at these graphics and you think like, oh, like, oh, like these are just video games. There's not going to be any substantial or in-depth or things that make you think. Like, I'm at, I mean, I'm not surprised. I always thought, I knew that like stuff like uh, Ocarina and Majora's Mask, like, like especially Majora's Mask, it can get really heavy. I didn't realize that was something in the um, the older Zelda. So I actually found that kind of surprising when I read that article. No, I, I mean, the Zelda series is really a lot of the Nintendo games, if you look at them, actually do have a lot of dark moments like that. Even Pokemon was the, if you read any of the Pokedex entries for half of those, I mean, they're basically child killers. Look, I have my own ethical issues with Pokemon. I think everybody does. But actually, as much as I would love to stay on Zelda, you know, we did hear uh, Chessa mention Final Fantasy, and I know they also made a remake of Final Fantasy recently. Chessa, I know you played that, so what are your thoughts on that, actually? So, obviously, they're talking about Final Fantasy VIII, and 
honestly, it hasn't really changed like between the two versions. The biggest change is obviously the graphics. They did make everyone super pretty. Super pretty. Um, super handsome? No, no. They're party. <laughs> party? Oh, how the party mouth. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. So everyone I've seen so far, I haven't made it past quote unquote disc one. So I'm still having to do the assassination thing. But I've seen pretty much most of the main characters. And yeah, Zell, they did a really good job on Zell. Like I thought Irvine was going to be my best in terms of how he looks. Mm-mm. Zell, they did 110%. Really? What makes uh, Zell stand out um, in terms of the remaster video? So... <laughs> This is going to sound so nerdy fangirl, and I'm sorry. It's kind of cringe. So We're all nerds here. Huh? I said we're all nerds here. It's okay. Yeah. So when they redid the graphics on the character models, they paid exquisite detail to like eye color and details of the eyes. So with Zell's eyes, he's got like this ocean blue color. And it's just like, as soon as he walks onto the screen, that's all you see. But it, not in a bad, weird way. It's just very, holy shit, he is. His actual eyes. So the graphics are great. They really haven't changed the gameplay too much. I will say that they sped up the battle system so getting your trigger just right on squall is a little more difficult but as far as gameplay goes it feels pretty much same which is great if you're into it for nostalgia okay so my next question now is does this game hold up to you it's been several years a long time since you probably last played this game like is this a game that you, you find yourself getting annoyed with when you play or do you find yourself like oh this is still really fun this is still like something I want to finish. So I'm gonna I'm gonna segue your question with another question. Do you mean just the main part of the game, or do you mean the side stuff in the game? Because I either or, either or and I mean yeah, whatever you um, want to say about that. Okay, so as far as the main you know the main story with all the stuff, it it holds up. It's still just as enjoyable now to me as it was back when it was on PS1. That being said, I know not not everyone was a huge fan. <coughs> Ani. <coughs> Ani. Well, no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I mentioned to somebody at work that I got it, the remastered, and they're like, "Oh my god, are you serious? Why would you spend?" First off, fuck you. It's art. True. It's not everybody's art, but it's art. And also, and also, that's your money. You want to spend it on the game that makes you happy. This is the same guy who every conversation he has me somehow involves Ark. Oh Lord! Oh, the that dinosaur game or whatever. It is. Yeah, the oh, okay. Dino- okay, yeah. I swear to God, I know more about that game. You would think that I had played it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never touched an art game. And you're never going to touch it, I imagine. No, if anyone has, you know, great, whatever. I, I can kind of see the appeal. It's kind of like Monster Hunter. You you take your beast, you do your thing. I get it. It's not my cup of tea. And I don't want to hear about how, oh, you got this owl and you had to use this owl to get this golem and bred this T-Rex and went and farmed somebody's oceanography, whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't care. You know, we know we all know people like that. Yeah. You know, we know people. We know people that have, like, you know, they just talk here uh, off about like the game that you play, the one game that they play, and then all of a sudden they get super hypercritical <laughs> of something that you like. You're like, oh, what? Why would you play that? 
bullshit. So, <laughs> and it, I feel like I'm one of those people because I'm always like, oh, I'm doing this at 14. Oh, I'm not talking about you. You're not the asshole to speak of. We all play 14 with you. You're not the person I'm mentioning. I know. I'm just saying. I'm the, just like I had that. I had that. About games. I'm like, oh, I play Final Fantasy 14. So, you know what it is? Somebody's uh, somebody's been doing that recently. Um, because my Grand Blue Fantasy Guild, like, there's people like playing other mobile games, yeah. and so as a result, I have to moderate these channels. And I hear I have to, you know, I just check through and I I read about all these like four or five other mobile gotcha games. And so I actually have ended up learning a lot about these games, but I've never played them, and neither, and I don't want to play them either because they're gotcha games. Like you can't play more than one personally. But like I've I've heard more than I'm ever I'm never gonna ever want it to. It's just too that like you. I feel like I played the game by just listening to the conversation, and I, I'll never have to touch it because I'll know everything I need to know. But anyway, uh, back to Final Fantasy VIII. Um, so you don't find any parts of it particularly frustrating, despite the fact that the game itself hasn't changed at all. Not frustrating that it hasn't changed or hasn't changed in such a way that makes it difficult it's just because i'm so out of practice with the game that i will say that triple triad yeah that game is balls isn't that the isn't that the one we play in 14 though yeah you would think that it would be the same it's not they lied they lied they lied but wait what's but what's different what's different between the final fantasy 14 version is it because the ai is it the artificial intelligence or are they just meaner i don't know if it's because the ai it can't be because of like the regional rules and stuff because that is implemented in 14 i don't know why it is so much harder in freaking eight but i've lost I've lost all my good cards. The first match I played, I lost. And I lost Ifrit. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not Ifrit. I lost him to that old motherfucker that's watching the gate at Blue. You lost him to the gatekeeper? Yes. Damn. And I actually, like, set the controller down and walked off. Because I'm not going to throw my controller. It's already crap. I'll, I'll admit, stuff like that is the reason why I would save scum like mad back in the day on the PS1 Final Fantasy VIII, though. I hated losing my cards. Yeah, but with games like this, I'm such a purist that I'm like, oh, I can win it back eventually. But you, I, from what I understand, I know you and Karn work together to get all the triple triad cards in the and when you've played it a long time ago. Right? Yeah, I still have. Okay, this is how bad it is. I still have the memory card that has the the save file. It's seventy seven hours, and we have everything that we could get. The only things we don't have were like the exclusive Guardian Forces. Oh, because of the uh, what's it called? It's related to the uh, that accessory. Yeah, like the PSP, the the, the Moomba. It's like the Moomba. Yeah, there was the Moomba. Um, the little alien. I was one, or maybe not. I don't remember. There was like two or three of them that were exclusive. But I know in the re- master i think you guys you can get it just they, it's easier to get those particular summons now i don't know i haven't right? looked it up i was about to say don't they have didn't they have like a easy mode where you could just get like all the stuff right off the bat yeah but i, I think with the remaster i think i guess spoiler for anyone in fba i read this i think when you get to the shumi village um later on you can get all those uh or summons through the chocobo minigame they have they, whatever chocobo thing they have um they're set up i think that's what i read somewhere I, I mean, I could be wrong, and Google could say I'm incorrect, but I'm pretty sure they made it so whatever. I think it's like you use chocobos to like hunt for treasure, like in the game. Yeah, and you can get the summons through there. Now they added them as like something to pick up. So complete your 
create your 100% fun. Yeah, right? There's going to be a few things that are going to be hard, like getting all the triple try cards. That's going to be a little challenging if I can't even win one freaking match. So have you taken, I know, I think, um, have you taken advantage of any of the new features like the, uh, was it X2 or X3 speed? I am happy to announce that I have not. I've been going pure. So you're being a, and that's a choice. That's a. Yep. Pure classic mode. Awesome. No, I, I, I respect that, actually. I know some people say that, like, oh, these games are so painful if you don't add, like, super X2 or X3 speed to go through the math. So, um, you know, yeah, I never thought it was particularly slow, though. Like, on the map mode? I don't feel like like I'm going through on a slog. Your character moves at a reasonable pace on foot, and then when you're in the car, you're, like, humming. So, I don't see any reason to have the increased speed. Do you see this? So, do you, uh, I know you're, do you see FF8, this remaster, as a game you're going to end up finishing some, at some point in time in the future? Or is this, do you feel like this might be a game you might be like, eh, you know, maybe I'll get to? I don't know. I'll definitely beat it. I may not be 100% on it when I beat it, but I'm going to beat it. What are your goals with, like, in terms of, like, where you want to be when you beat the game? You see, since you mentioned the fact you don't want to be 100%, what are the bare minimums for you to say, like, oh, I'm done with this game? Like, I beat this game. Bare minimum for me to be like, eh. I'm done. Like, you know, like I finished the game. I'm not going to go back to it anytime soon. I'm very satisfied with this particular playthrough. I think honestly, I think I would be okay if I did everything but the triple triad. That's fair. Triple triad is like its own. It's its own personal hell. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know why I've been playing it pretty consistently in 14, but you put me back in eight and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I think like a, a, from my perspective on it is that F of eight, triple triads more stressful because you get your cards taken away oh from maybe you. and so like uh because any there's no there's no risk in playing triple triad and like the only cards that get taken away are like the opponent's cards and so like you don't have that with ff8 i remember um doing the same thing with Renoa's I think Renault's dad, I, I, it was where I lost all my cards. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to play this. And I didn't understand the whole Saints coming thing. And I lost all my good cards. He, he had, like, a really amazing deck. Yeah. So, so I was like, I just want the Renault card. And it didn't happen. I lost every other yeah. card. Yeah. Yeah, it's a triple triad. You definitely either have to save scum or, I mean, I guess if you want to go down lower on the totem pole of respectability, you know, to, at least to some gamers, I can totally justify it. You know, I know people who would game shark that stuff. It's like, oh, every triple triad match is going to have the easiest rules fuck you i want my cards <laughs> oh god i have been meaning to um i got this i've been just getting distracted by other games but fm8's uh, remaster is something i've been you know as i eventually want to get i think i've decided to just come around i'm going to come around to it when i hit uh, the right sale i think i'm going to guess i would probably play it on the switch when Nintendo decides to like discount it, I probably will pick it up then. That's fair. And uh, re-experience the magic. What's the, okay, so because you mentioned it, I had to look it up about the, the other Guardian Forces. And I found this nice little thing. It says, all of these summons are obtained through Chocobo World minigame which isn't available in all versions of the game. All are non-junctionable. Does that mean you can't use them? What? That would be pointless. No, I mean... That would be pointless. What? Wait, but... But you have to junction them to use them, don't you? You have to junction them to use them. Like, to summon them in the battle. I've seen the videos of them being summoned into battle. Yeah, so how are they non-junctionable? I would... Yeah. You're right. Do they mean like you can't like put stats? You can't pump stats into them, or you can't do stuff with them? Maybe. 
that's the only thing that would make sense to me. I, well, Chessa, you're going to have to tell us about what that when, when you get to it. Oh. Oh, she figured out something. Oh, okay. So for one of them, it's items that are used. So like a reusable item in your inventory? So like for Boko the Chocobo, it's summoned by using Gishel Greens during battle. Oh. So you can summon them, but you can't junction them. So yeah, I guess I wouldn't have the abilities like boost since you have to have those junctions so they can get uh, AP. Oh, that's interesting. That's not what I expect. I would expect at all for something that's supposed to be like a GF. So now I wonder if you have to have an item per summon, like you have to have multiple Gishel Greens to be able to use that summon multiple times, or if it's just one. That's actually a very good question. Guess I'm going to have to do it. Figure it out. Oh, darn. Yep. So listeners, if you know the answer to this, you can either tell us or Chess is going to have to find out on her own. We'll see. We'll say a couple months. I don't know. <laughs> A couple weeks, couple months. We will solve this mystery as soon as I find my pipe. Um, since you talked about FFA, I'll talk about one game, other game I played. It's called Isomnian, and it's basically a more, it's like an M-rated version of Phoenix Wright, if you focus mostly on detective work. So kind of like a law and order sort of setting? Not, there's no lawyers. You don't have to deal with anything. Like what the basic premise of the, this particular First off, the, the type of game it is, it's actually, it's like a visual novel investigation game. And what you're doing is you're basically trying to unravel these series of murder cases involving uh, the victim's left eye being pulled out. And so, like, the, the first murder, the first case is where you find a woman tied to a um, horse at a carousel in an abandoned amusement park, and her eye is missing. And that's how the game starts. It starts out very dark, and from that point in time... Like you're you're unraveling the mystery of like what's going on what's what's the what's the what's going on behind these murders. But there is one major hook, and it's like a visual novel, so it's very dialogue heavy. You're talking to a lot of people. Um, you're advancing the plot by making decisions. The big crux of this game is and is that it's by the same guy who created the Zero Escape games. And you, I don't know if you've two have ever played those games. But that franchise is very is built on the idea that there are parallel worlds. Or parallel paths, so to speak. And maybe that's a spoiler at this point. The idea is that you, like, by going down a bad ending and it choose your own adventure like narrative, your character in the present is aware that of what happened in that previous path. Hmm. Like, sort of like that becomes their gut feeling, and that that's that's what allows you to unlock the next part of another narrative. So, like, let's say like you made a bad choice in one path, and then you're like, oh, like I made, you know, get to the bad ending. You all of a sudden, it all it causes another branch to come off where you kind of know in your gut that this is not the right decision, and it creates an entirely separate narrative. And in Isomnian, there's like five different major paths, and they all involve like they're all ghastly in their own different ways. <laughs> like I remember my first time I went through a path, all of a sudden like like all these people started dying, and I was just like, "What did I do wrong?" And I got to the end, and then I was able to go to another path, and I was able to save people or someone someone else different would die. Do you ever find out what's killing everybody though? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a point in the game where you can able to access the true ending of the game that explains everything. And I, I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but it explains everything and it does it in a very satisfactory way. So so you've actually beaten it already? Yes, I was able to finish it because I couldn't stop playing. But hey, that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I played on the Switch, so even when I was trying to sleep, I was like, okay, I just need to, I need to know what happens. <laughs> I need to know what happens in this murder case. 
Um, cause you know, I think Chessa, Chessa and I have, um, sort of bonded on this. We like murder shows or crime shows. We like the idea of like, kind of like watching or engaging in a type of, fi- uh, not necessarily just fiction, but like something that makes us kind of like get into the killer's mind a bit. And I think it's part of like our, fa- I mean, that's a general thing though. Like, I think there is a fascination of viewers of like wanting to like, you know, get into the whole, you know, like what makes somebody kill somebody. That reminds me, Z, if you haven't watched it yet, on Netflix, there's a limited series called The Innocent Man. Definitely worth a watch. Is it uh, like a UK show, US show, Australian? No, it's a US show. Hmm. Is it Netflix original? Uh, I don't know. Or I had never heard of it. That's why it hasn't popped up on any of my... Um... Okay, so basically what it is, I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but it's actually talking about the book that John Grisham wrote, and it's about this town in Oklahoma that had murders in the 1980s. And it follows the story like of the girls that were murdered, the people who were convicted, all the research that he did. And it's about those crimes. So it's a true crime documentary? A true story. I was about to ask, like, what, when, when does that take place? Like, is it modern setting or is it kind of like back in the day? It's kind of like a documentary talking about the event. So they actually have the confession tape. Um, they talk to the actual guys that were sent to prison for it. They okay. do a narrative timeline. Wait, what's the name of this? What's the name of this? It's called again? The Innocent Man. It's the Innocent Man? So with a title like that... Are you talking about something? Is that just a like a fun? I don't want to spoil it. I guess it's, but it's true crime. I guess the facts. Is this man innocent, or is it just a kind of like, oh, he's not really innocent? He did commit these crimes? Or is that the question? Of one of the guys that was sent to prison, because there were two guys involved. They both served. They were sent for life, but they both served, you know, 12, 20 years, something like that. I don't remember the exact details. But during their time in prison, you know, forensics technology got better. So they were able to reopen these cases and kind of analyze what was going on. And then they went to appeal and got released. Both of them or just one of them? Yep. Both of them. So it's, so is this, so it's an unsolved case then? Or is that, you're not going to tell me that. Or is there like an end game of like. See, that's the tricky part. I, I, I sat there and binge watched this, but I don't remember them ever saying this guy definitely is the one that did it. It's a, it's a, it's serious. Was this a, so this is a show, not like a movie, a, a special. It's like five episodes. Each episode is like an hour long. And it's all about the same case. Yes. I'm going to have to check this out. This sounds really fascinating to me. Yeah, no, that sounds like a, that's a that sounds good. Well, all the, the whole reason I started watching it is because it takes place, the murders took place in this place called Ada, and that's actually not too far from where I live now. Ah, so that makes it kind of even more morbidly fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of sounds like, uh, almost like a documentary version of a whodunit novel. Kind of, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I definitely have to check that. That looks that sounds fun. All right. So before we head out, is there anything you're looking forward to in terms of maybe trying a new game out? I still want to check out Damon X Machina. I've been meaning to get it, but you know, I just been so preoccupied with so many other games in my library right now that I just haven't had the chance. I forget when Luigi's Mansion's coming out, but I think that's next month, and that's another one I'm definitely looking forward to. What about you? 
I am looking forward to Indivisible. Oh, I forgot about that one. I'm looking forward to that one because um, that game has been in the works for a very long time. It's by the people who worked on Skullgirls. Yeah. And they're they're phenomenal animators, but they basically created their own Valkyrie profile Sukunin-like game where you get to collect people to fight alongside it in their, um, their own little RPG system. And it looks fantastic. And they must have worked really hard on it, and I want to support that. Well, what about, uh, Tressa, is there anything you're looking forward to in the fall? Well, obviously, I'm pretty super stoked out Final Fantasy VII. I actually threw down my pre-order today. Nice. Yeah, I'm getting the deluxe, because why the hell not? I don't even know what it all comes with. Oh, I think it comes with, like, special summons. Which I found confusing. I'm gonna have to look that. Well, I kind of wonder if, like, I know sometimes GameStop and Amazon, other outlets will have different DLC or goodies, depending. I don't think this time, or I don't know if GameStop has anything like that, or Amazon. I don't, but Square Annex Store might. That's my gut feeling. I don't know. They might have something more exclusive to whatever they have there. But I think Amazon, I checked. Amazon and GameStop don't have anything specific to that retailer. I well, think. I think Square Enix Store has, is the only one you can get the like the mass of collectors from. Oh, uh, the one with the bike, I think. Yeah, that's the one with the model bike. Yeah, it's the uh, bike it's with, too, with cloud. Too much. That's just too much money. <laughs> and I kind of want it. I do. Nice. I I understand. I understand. I just like, oh, I can't spend that much on a collector's edition. <laughs> like it, it, it looks beautiful though. It looks like a beautiful. Well, I kind of learned my lesson about things like this. Well, maybe not this, because I think the remake will be good. But Dissidian tea kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Dumpster fire. Every single time, they're still adding stuff to Dissidia. They 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 keep adding characters and doing, and I'm just like, oh. I know, and I've got the season pass, so I could get all this uh, for free. I, I just wish that game was actually good. Yeah, I mean the graphics on it were amazing, but I just wish it was fun. The story sucked. And the story I would even accept kind of being kind of cruddy. It's just that the whole battle system, for me, just did not click. The battle system was really weird. And yeah. to me, to me, I didn't feel like there was enough content to justify the price. I remember because the gameplay for me is that I felt like I was just chasing people. Yeah. Well, in the locking system, the locking system was weird because it would lock either what's immediately to your right or a crystal that's like 5,000 miles away. Yeah, and on top of that, too, it also had this other horrible issue that the the, that the actual moveset for all the characters was not intuitive. Like, I didn't know what button did what. Yeah, I, I know they had like a, a detailed, in quotes, tutorial and they, they straight, I think they technically they tried to do their best, but they didn't have enough modes or things that made you feel comfortable with the system. Especially because each Yeah, game, they, well, I mean... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Go ahead. I don't know. What I was going to say was, as far as, like, the modes go, I get what you're saying, because it was, like, a very limited solo ex- experience. And then everything else was, like, online versus people i as much as i respect that each fighter and i respect this with fighting games and they do this is that each fighter is actually really different um so like they don't like it doesn't there's no like nobody feels exactly like another another character sometimes they feel drastically different and that's cool but it makes it really hard to learn the game 
<laughs> when everyone feels really different. I think Mr. Happy did a video once that just explains like and I like how each character worked. And that was a better explanation than anything that Square tried to do within the game itself. And I feel sad that the YouTuber, despite how good of a YouTuber Mr. Happy is, was the one that made me understand what the fuck was going on in the game. I, but I, I always get sad seeing all the news like, this new this Final Fantasy character got added. And I'll be like, oh, it looks so good. Too bad the game's not fun. Yeah. Like, the best thing I got out of the game was the Steelbook. And that's because I got the one I wanted. Yeah. Because, yeah, I remember we both got um, Steelbooks, and I got, the, I got like, a completely different one than the one you got. It was, like, randomized. I don't know. I, I won't give Chris Square or Enix kind of credit, or or not so much them, but, like, whoever runs the Twitter for Dissidia, though. Man, they try so hard to hype the game up every single time they do something new with it. It's like, oh, come back to Dissidia. Check out this character. It's loads of fun. And everyone's like, uh, no. You almost trapped me with Tifa. You almost trapped me. I feel like somebody's going to make a meme of Pennywise just, like, dangling characters. Oh god! You just made me imagine Pennywise. If I if I myself was walking down the street and it was raining and Pennywise is in the sewer and he's just waving like he's just like come over here and he has like screenshots of like because these Dissidia characters <laughs> come down with me and check them out. I uh, don't say you wouldn't. They're gonna add. And the the sad part is about that is like is like you know like, yes my arm might get ripped off but damn I still don't want to play the game. Well, again, if your book is the best thing your game has to offer, to offer, don't think you're doing it right. All right. So I want to thank everybody who listened to this podcast tonight. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. So if you stuck with us through the whole thing, thank you very much. Uh, do not be afraid to leave comments. Um, our email, I believe, is retrofantasyfans at gmail.com. If I'm wrong, uh, I'll update that next podcast or in the text description. So for Z and Chessa, I am Annie. As I, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. If you liked any of the music you heard tonight, they are composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his music at incompetent.com. Thank you, and have a good night. Thank you.